TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I mean, I've done everything. Glenn Perkins. I've started, I've mopped up, I've closed. Glenn Perkins. We joke around and we have fun and he's different, he's unique. He seems like a guy that I'd like to have to do it. It's me. It's Glenn Perkins on baseball. Sweet. Welcome to the Score North Twins Show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball. I am the host of this show, Glenn Perkins. I've got Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore with me. Uh, let's dig right into it. The Twins are four and one. Uh, Phil, it was probably almost a decade ago that you printed wow. some "It's Happening" T-shirts. Uh, is Run Two coming out right now, or are you going to wait maybe till like June first? You know, timing timing was always a problem with those T-shirts. I feel like people get mad every time I tweet "It's Happening," like the Royals score two runs or something. You know, you know when those T-shirts were originally printed? Uh, it probably that was probably like 2012, 13. It was 2011. Okay, the 99 loss season. Is so when we those made that run in July. Did you guys know you were so you were the worst team in baseball for the whole season? But for two months in the middle of the season, yeah. you had the best record in baseball yeah, from like, like July, June, June and July. Yeah, yeah. And then the wheels came off, again. and it was happening, and then it, and then it wasn't. Um, is it happening this season? I mean, it's five games, you know. I, I think it, it's it's tough. You don't want to get too far ahead, and obviously, getting any further. I mean, I saw your tweet yesterday. Uh, if they win this game, they're winning the division. Fight me! Um, <laughs> Come on, you the know, studio's big enough. Put some gloves on. <laughs> you know what? Uh, the, the central is weak, and I think that's the thing that they have going for them. Derek said it. You know the the. Um, Path of the playoffs, man. Yeah, it's, it, beat 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 the beat your division. Beat everybody, not the Indians. Yeah. The Indians don't look that great either. I mean, Kluber yeah. struggled. Yeah. Um, I think that I think the thing going forward in this division in this season that that you keep an eye on is what direction are teams trending as as a whole. And you, you talk about the core guys on the Indians, older guys maybe trending in the wrong direction. And then you talk about the guys, you know, Max Kepler, the, the Polanco that signed these deals. They signed those deals. Uh, uh, Felvey and, and Thad signed those guys thinking they're on their way up. They're going to get better. And, and that's a lot of, you know, there, there's maybe more question marks in the sense of are these guys going to improve uh, than, like, than like a Kluber, is he going to bounce back? But at some point, everybody gets older. And, and I think that's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Especially with if, if everybody thinks the Indians are the best team in this division, so print the shirts is what you're saying, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you haven't sign. done it yet. Well, they, uh, I, the the one word I would use for this team, and I'd love I'd love your thoughts because I I thought the Twins lacked this for a long time. It's this sort of I don't know maybe is gravitas the word that I'm looking for? Just like Eddie Rosario, for instance, in that game yesterday. I don't know if you guys caught this somewhere in the sixth or seventh. It was his second to last at bat. And some random dude for the Royals is uh, uh, Tim Hill. Tim Hill was on the mound for the Yeah, the, the lefty. Royals. Okay. And Tim Hill has like 50 or 60 career appearances. He hasn't really done a whole lot. He's late 20s. And uh, and it was a three-ball count. Rosario, as the ball's leaving Tim Hill's hand, not as it's crossing the plate, as it's leaving Tim Hill's hand, he tosses the. He basically like walks out of the batter's box and starts tossing his bat for the walk. And of course, they start chirping at each other in the in the dugout and at first base. Yeah. Pimp everything. Yeah, he's pimping. He's pimping walks. He's pimping three old fastballs. But he. But there's there's a certain sort of confidence swag thing that is impossible to quantify, and I can't tell if it's you know what's the chicken, what's the egg. Is it hey we're a good team, and so we're kind of feeling ourselves, or is it you know what there's a bunch of dudes who just 
are sick of losing or don't Nelson Cruz wasn't around for losing. Nelson Cruz has played in the World Series, right? He's going to take great at bats in the eighth inning of a tie game against a tough reliever. It just it feels a lot different in these first five games. I get it, small sample size, but I'm I'm buying stock. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I go ahead, Derek. I think that the the point you made on Cruz is really important because like some of these guys are somewhat used to losing. Although most of these guys were on the 17 team that you know got there and felt like they had a legit shot to win in New York and could have if it wasn't for like what was it eight and a third innings of bullpen dominance by the Yankees. Like you chase Sevy from a playoff game and could have won it, but I think that that memory will help some of the guys, but Jonathan Scope doesn't care about that, or, you know, Jake Odorizzi doesn't care about that. They're, it's a team that is reassembled every year, and I think the components of this team don't feel like the also-ran twins. You know what I mean? And I, I think that uh, something else to keep in mind is that that every year's a new year. Like I mean, I went through plenty of 99, 96, 99 lost seasons, um, and every year you'd go back in thinking, "Hey, we you know we got a chance. We we lost a bunch of games. We signed Irvin Santana. You know, Sano comes up and has a big year, and you're thinking, okay, here we go. You know, we got a chances, and and yeah. you truly do feel like you have a chance every year. And I don't think there's. I mean, maybe you get to July and you start to fade, and you're like, all right, well, <laughs> we've been down this road. But going into a season, I don't think so. I mean, and and really, what it boils down to, and I've said this on the record before, is that is that you either have the talent or you don't you know it's not oh we're not playing up to our ability or oh we're not you know we got unlucky it, you either you either are good or you're not good and and you can get better you can get worse but if you come into a season without enough talent to win you're not going to win baseball like that's the thing about baseball and it, you you're not going to fake it for 162 games yeah and yeah. so you're either good or you're not. I, I mean, they have some guys that a part of it is believing in yourself. Yeah, Eddie Rosario thinks he's he's the best player in baseball, which is awesome. He's a good player, and and think you're better than you are. Think I I did that when I would pitch. I, I you know if I was facing Miguel Cabrera or something, I'd, I'd be out there and I'd be thinking, God dang, I got to get this guy out. But then I would I would I would flip it and say, you know what, this dude doesn't want to face me, and, and and so that's that that's that extra little bit of confidence that that. They have that you see with an Eddie Rosario, and uh, you know he also doesn't want to get that pitch up and in. He's got a pretty face and a nice smile, and <laughs> <laughs> those balls get a little too close to him. And he doesn't like it. So. The Twins have some guys who they're gravitational high and in pulls, right? Astadio got plunked a couple times in the Venezuelan playoff. He got plunked this year already too. I think. Yeah, right? that was intentional. Well, yeah. The, well, the, the I, twin, there's going to be. I guarantee there's going to be at least five bench clearing situations with the Twins, just based on Rosario. <laughs> Astadio. The funny thing about like I watched that pitch yesterday with, with Rosario. Yeah, and he's he's hit home runs on pitches that have been closer to his face. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm like, dude, that you know that was that was like in. It must have meant he didn't like, have the green light. Yeah, on it was one. like belt high and like a foot in. Like I think you you might have been able to pull your hands through on that. Like, be thinking attack. Don't be thinking I'm going to jump yeah. out of the way and get mad at the pitcher. Like. That's your that's your nitro zone right yeah. there. <laughs> right. Okay, did you did you ever consider uh, uh, any sort of like gesticulations when you were a closer like Blake Parker has brought to the Twins this season? Have you seen have you, Derek? You covered him in spring training. I guess, yeah, but, he's just like, he's, he's he's the guy that came up from the Angels and has the whole twitchy. like because he thought I don't know if this is true or not. I didn't watch him enough with the Angels, but he thought guys could see when he dig in for the split. So some guys will just start with the split in their glove and then change it if it's a different pitch. He just 
whatever for a reason takes the sign and then does this whole f- bird flapping Mark Fidrich thing trying to get either the split grip or just disguise that it's going to be a straight fastball and it's it's worked so far he, I like the splitter if he can hide that it's coming then it seems like it could be a, an effective pitch for him um, I, I I didn't do anything like you that. You never had a splitter, fast, or anything. yeah, fastball slider, and, and you know I always started with a four seamer, and I could t- I could turn it to a two seamer, I could turn it to a slider. You should and, have done uh, the Mike Fetters head turn thing. <laughs> who who did it? it? Was Mark Grace? Mark Grace. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. yeah. <laughs> like at the end of his career, he gets to pitch once, and he's like, I'm going to do the Fetters. Um, no, you know what? That that was always in the back of your mind. I learned that from Johan Santana early on, like with a guy in second, how you'd how you'd hold your glove or whatever. And I started just kind of closing up my hand and so so nobody could see the ball. I had a coach in the minor leagues one time tell me that he could when I grabbed a it was a curveball back then, but when I grabbed that, he could see the flex in my forearm uh from first base. And I didn't buy it. Um but, you know, if guys are looking for stuff, I mean, and then again, it's, you know, what if the first base coach can see it, if he's not whistling at the hitter or something, the hitter can't see it. Um, you know, so it was mostly for me, it was just being wary of, of having a guy in second. And, but I don't know how much of that stuff is even done anymore as far as the, the, well, I saw in spring two, no, not two years ago, 2015, Tory Hunter was down there and that's just, 2015 or 2016, because Jose Barrios is out on the mound, and it's like, this dude's got nasty stuff. Holy cow. But Torrey'd be sitting there on the uh, turtle shell, and he's calling out, change up, change up, just based fastball. On, just based on... I don't know what it was based on. He's Torrey Hunter. He's just reading things that yeah. I can't see. <laughs> like, I feel like there's a difference in that, too, and like being in the box. For sure. You know, you're yeah. getting ready, and a guy's coming set, and you're trying to find your spot where the ball's going to come out that you're going to hit, and you know, you can stand behind there. You can be at a different angle. Okay. Um, he was really good at that stuff. I mean, I got to give him credit for that. But it's, Yeah, it's uh, just as a mere mortal, as I was sitting there next to him thinking like, okay, not only like physical talent, this dude has something that I couldn't dream of having. That he's just picking up things that Tory Hunter has a lot of things that you can. Well, that's only fair. Dream of having <laughs> that's fair. I'll walk away from that one. But he's but, but, but was Derek pretty good has at the too. hair. See, Tory doesn't have the hair. <laughs> Tory, Tory shaves, but the flow. He'll Derek. tell you he's bald by choice. Yeah, tell you he goes. What? What? Are, so, what are the most common ways? Since we're down this thread, and I'm curious, what are the most common ways that pitchers tip pitches? I, I mean, the biggest thing is the glove flare. So when you're going to go to, um, you know, it's like what Blake Parker does. So, so it's getting a pitch grip, obviously, is, is the one, but that's easy. I think that the, the other one is, is guys that throw that spike curveball where they have their, their pointer finger up off the ball a little bit that you, you want to widen your glove out to get your hand in there to get your fingers around that pitch. And to get that, you really get that pointer finger jammed back against, you know, kind of folded over and then, and then tight on the ball. And and you would flare, so you'd end up hmm. you'd end up wanting to open up your glove a little bit, and that's an easy thing. Like that's something in a preset where the hitter is going to be getting digging into the box and looking as that guy. That that's what Tory would do. I mean, that was the the one thing more than anything. He he would pick up changeups, and 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 breaking balls. It, it was on a glove flare. Okay, and uh, you know that that was back when Chris Sale was on the White Sox. He was a glove flare guy in his changeup. Sure, and it was. If you're looking for it, it was the most obvious thing in the world, and and so we saw it, and then that's how guys could hit. Him. So that's how you guys had like five amazing offensive 
games against Chris Sale. We torched him the one year. I mean, he had like a 2-5 on the year, and he had like a 9 against us. Yeah. <laughs> he glove flared his changeup. And I, I don't, I mean, obviously nobody else picked it up, but guys guys picked it up, and, and uh, that that's I mean that's that's the one. A lot of the a lot of the other stuff I think is overrated, but it's it's really and I, I would imagine Tory down in Florida was picking up on a on the flare and it and it's common. I mean, you just think about when you're holding on to a ball, how you hold different pitches. Sure, that you're gonna flare your that you're gonna open up your glove to try to make more room in there to grab the ball different. And so I would say that's you know where it goes. I would always try to get my hands set as I was coming set. So like I would. I would start coming set, and as as soon as my hand got by my glove, I would start turning the ball. Sure. And then by the time I stopped, I wasn't doing any more movement. You'll see some guys who are standing there, they're in the full windup, and they've got their glove, and they, they're going to get the sign, but they have their, if they're right-handed pitcher, they reach their right hand into their glove, and like as they're taking the sign, they're just flexing their glove in and out and in and out. Even if it's just going to be a four-seam fastball, and you've been grabbing that since you were five yeah. years old, you can just grab it, but... So it's the same every single time, even if you have to, whether it's a split or the spike curve that you talked about, it takes a little more, you know, like, you, I mean, that's it. If you, if you're a, if you have to a get split, it. you, uh, you almost have to, cause you can't yeah. like grind in there. I mean, it's like, a, it's like a mortar and a pestle. Like you can't be like, hold on guys. I'm, give, me, give me one second. Yeah. I got to get this split grip right. It's going to be fun when pitch clocks come into play and you're just, I'm still. Still trying to grab it. Still trying to grind in there. Well, and you got to have the big hands for that. Like you can't throw a split if you got having I mean, hands like mine. That the baseball looks like a softball in my hand. That it's like guys like Jack Morris who just could grab it like it was a ping pong ball. And there you go. There's my split grip. It's really pretty obvious when guys with small hands try to try to dig in on. It. It's kind of funny. Uh, so ten years of Target Field. Let's dive into this when we come back to uh, the Scornout Twin Show. Glenn Perkins on baseball. Ten years of Target Field. And so far, only two home playoff games. And we'd love your thoughts on, A, what happened, and B, what needs to happen for this to be sustainable going forward. On the Inge, listen, Minnesota sports. Score North. All right. Welcome back to the Score North Twins show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball. Glenn Perkins here with Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore. Uh, We'd love for you to do us a favor. If you like the Score North Twins show, Give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple or Spotify. It helps spread the word to new listeners. Yeah. Thank you, Glenn Perkins, for uh, for the plug there. Appreciate it. Uh, Royce on Baseball, also with the debut episode last week with Buster Olney talking. Uh, and I think Tom Kelly is going to be a twice-a-month guest on that show, too, when he's not out golfing or mowing the lawn or whatever whatever Tom Kelly is doing these days. You can find all those shows on the Scorn Earth uh, Twin Show feed. But this is it's amazing how time flies. This is the 10th year of Target Field now. So... Uh, 2010 was the only year in which there were playoff games played at Target Field. And I would love your thoughts on just, A, what, if somebody would have told you, and you were, you know, you hadn't reached like peak Glenn Perkins yet, that was 2011, 12, and then you became All-Star Closer and et cetera. But you were at least around and a part of those teams that were heating up those division winning teams from the Metrodome and, and then into 2010. If somebody were to have told you, either right after Game 163 in 2009 or after that 94 or 96 win season in 2010, not only is this the end for a long time when it comes to winning, but these will be the only two playoff games played at Target Field for a decade plus. It's, it's bizarre. Uh, it's bizarre. I it, we, it was like we ran just square into a brick wall, you know, coming off of 2010. Um, back in the next year, 
higher payroll, you know, they, they, the same team by and large. Um, high expectations coming out of spring training and, and just never got, it was like we got to Minnesota and just face planted into a wall and, and never recovered. And I mean, no, you, you never think that's going to happen. I mean, and I, I've gone over it before that I, I, my six career appearances in the playoffs and I never pitched in the playoffs again. You know, I made 400 or whatever career appearances and, and it, and, you know, so it, you think, man, this is great. I'm going to do this every year. And then, and then you don't, um, you know, and, and that's the same thing. You come in, we've been successful for a long time, new stadium and, and all the excitement and, um, you know, it, it's, that's, that's like one of the bigger regrets of my career is just that I spent a lot of good years, you know, playing, playing on teams. And, and I was part of it playing on teams that, that weren't successful. Like you want to go to the playoffs, you want to pitch in important games. And, and, um, you just, I mean, I don't think any of us ever saw that coming out, you know, it's uh but that's the game and you know you 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 go out there and you play every year thinking you have a chance and um you know it's it's a bummer i mean you know it's an awesome stadium for baseball and it'd be an awesome stadium in october i think uh the weather and 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 the atmosphere here is incredible and uh you know i i think they're on the right track getting back to that and and so hopefully um you know, we get yeah. to we get to see that sooner than later. How much how much of it was if if Morno and Maurer had stayed fully healthy throughout that entire period? How much of it was just those guys not being hundred percent from two thousand eleven? I mean, really from two thousand eleven ever going forward versus the organization as a whole maybe wasn't keeping up with some of the trends and whether it's analytics or new ways of thinking about rosters. I mean, like what percentage of uh, what percentages of it was? Star players not being star players anymore, and just systematic erosion. I mean, they just they, they kind of go hand in hand. I don't know if there's a if it's a fifty fifty or a sixty forty or whatever. I mean, Morneau was going to win the MVP in two thousand ten yeah. until he ran into to Johnny Mack, um, and uh, you know he was he was doing a Mauer two thousand nine that year. He was unbelievable. I mean, I think he had more wins above replacement when he got hurt in 2010 than he had his entire 06 MVP season. Hmm. You know, he was already like a five win player at that point. Yeah, he was, he was better than pool. pool that was Pujols prime. And yeah. just to look at Justin Morneau's numbers, the first half of that, he was yeah, I like mean, you, 350. You or look something. at the, you look at the numbers and it's a, it's dang near a full season stat line. And it, and it was, that was sometime in July, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, so there was that. And then, and then Joe kind of started going through some stuff too. Um, you know, and those guys, I mean, that, you know, you talk about those, the, the, 2006, 8, 9, 10. I mean, it was, it was more Nolan Maurer. It was the M&M boys. Like, and, you know, so then Joe starts with the, with the leg stuff and the knees and the back and all that. And then, and then Morneau, you know, never being able to recover fully from that concussion. Um, it's, uh, that's the, but that, you know, that's the game. It's the way the cookie crumbles. And, and, uh, I think when you're not maybe doing those, those other things behind the scenes, the analytics, the things that, uh, you know, the, the, um, that you maybe, maybe when you lose a guy, it catches up with you a little quicker, you know, that, that you have less margin for error. Maybe Mm -hmm. when you're not, when you're not playing in those margins, um, that, that you're going to, you know, you have one bad thing happen and you could say, Oh man, we lost more. No, or, Oh man, you know, not having something of a replacement plan, uh, can, you know, kind of make that stick out a little more as a player do you ever sit and think about that you see a guy go down and you're thinking like 
you talked about the optimism earlier, Glenn. I think it was the first segment talking about well, every year you come in and you feel like, yeah, we've got some talented guys here, no matter what the outside thinks. I'm curious to know, like, when somebody goes down, is there that internal confidence? Maybe it depends on the player who's stepping in. Because what you always hear from players is, no, I mean, we still got a lot of talent in this room. You could lose Buster Posey from the Giants and still be like, no, we get, we like his backup. We're going to go to go to war with this guy. Is there a real feeling of that? Uh, let's still go get him. I mean, well, you have to because you got 160 games and you got to find a way to get it done. Yeah. I mean, I think a great example is is when we signed Irv. Sure. And then that spring he gets busted for steroids. And, and so all of a sudden it's like, well, that was our big free agent acquisition. We were banking on him to, to kind of bolster our staff. And now we're without him for a half a year. So here we go. Let's, uh, yeah. you know, and so it becomes almost of a let's try to tread water until we get our team back, you know. But, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, that, those kind of things are tough. And, but, you, you, you know, you, I hate that like next man up phrase because it just seems so like inhuman yeah but somebody somebody has to fill a spot and you know it's and that's the thing where if you're scouting or your drafting isn't up to snuff um you know you're not going to be a team you know like you see the yankees oh uh Didi Gregorius is out with Tommy John. Let's go. We'll go grab Troy Tulowitzki quick. You know, mm-hmm. like so. Some teams aren't going to be able to do that. They're not going to be able to just, you know, we lost this guy. We're just going to go buy this guy now. Um, and, and so you have to have other things in place. And you know, that's that's where this this the whole thing kind of got caught up and and kind of snuck up behind the organization. And and you know, you think that that the guys now are. You know, maybe a little more prepared for that, yeah. and, and look at the game in a different way. And you know, like I said, it, it it's been fun to watch and and to see, you know, a, a Williams Asadio come up and they, you know they they sign a guy or they they pick him up in free agency or whatever, and it's like you know who is this guy? And then all of a sudden they start doing something, you know, or or they get a Blake Parker because mm-hmm. they like his splitty. They they they're not just like. Hey, we're gonna pick this guy up because he won 14 games in the PCL last year. Sure, yeah, right. You know, it's like that's a, we're gonna get this, this super is an offensive league. That's, that's an Eric Hacker rip that is unnecessary. But. <laughs> we're gonna get this super <laughs> random dude, and then he's gonna come up and be like, "Holy crap!" You know, like the the Ryan Harper. Like I saw yeah. the video of him in spring training. Yeah, you know, who you never heard of the guy, and, and you're like, "How does how has he not been in the big leagues with that breaking ball?" Right. You know, I mean, he he was pitching that game against the Red Sox. He buckled like six guys in a row (laughs) with this like frisbee slider thing, and it's like you know. So they they they're they're working more in those margins, I think. And and you know, that's when a guy goes down, or if a you know they they you know a bullpen guy gets hurt, they've got guys down there that you think, hey, this guy can help out. And you know, it's even even like with uh, Mejia, yeah, uh, Alberto that. You know what? He's out of options. He didn't make it as a starter. Like let's let's put him in the pen. And when a guy runs into a little bit of trouble, we got a guy that can go throw three, four, five innings with good and, stuff and with good stuff. Yeah. And, and it's not gonna, just a mop up play guy, up. right? No, yeah. I know he's not a mop. Yeah, he's a, he's a he had good starts. He's got big league stuff. Let's let him play up in the pen and throw once a week or once every eight days or whatever it is. And and. He's going to come out and give it everything he's got for three innings. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you talk about that win yesterday. That that's as big of you know he he did as much or more than than anybody else in that game, taking over for Gibby and 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 trudging through to the to the eighth inning. Yeah, well, I totally get the logic that working in the margins and that's going to be something. 
I don't think they're worried about their pitching depth anymore. I, I think they were when they took over, and now I think Falvey and Levine both feel really confident that if we lose three relievers, now you don't want to lose Taylor Rogers, of course, but you know if 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 Ryan Harper sits on the injured list or something like that, well, you got Matt McGill's going to be healthy at some point. Addison Reed, you hope he bounces back and is healthy at some point. And then if they have to go beyond that, they feel pretty good about that depth. Um, I guess the counterpoint would be in 2009, 2010, you weren't expecting that Justin Morneau and Joe Maurer were just going to... No, and those aren't guys you're going to replace. Yeah, but that, how are you going to fill then, that? That's, that's, that's a whole other thing, and that's something that they're focusing on, is keeping guys healthy, because yeah. that is maybe the last frontier of, of, of the unknown. Sure. The yeah. unquantifiable, maybe. Um is keeping guys healthy because yeah, if you do lose a, a Morneau or a Maurer, like you're not only losing a five win player, you're replacing with a maybe a replacement guy, maybe maybe less. Yeah, and so that's a huge blow. And you know, so you, you want the first first and foremost is keep keeping guys healthy. And some of that, I mean, there's nothing you could ever do to keep a Morneau healthy. You know, I mean, he slides into second base and takes a knee to the forehead, like. That's just, and, and you know, and I think it was even that, and then it was a day or two later he dove for a ball at first base, and that's really what, where he had another one kind mm-hmm. of, like another episode, and, and you can't prevent that stuff, but, uh, you know, I, I think that they're, I just, I'm excited about the, the future, I'm excited about the present, I mean, you know, you can't, no matter who they played, you can't argue with a 4-1 start. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're all big league teams. All these teams are going to win 60 games this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they getting off to a better start is 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 better than the alternative. Yeah, I think there's there's another angle at play here. And I we've we've definitely on on our shows. We take calls. We you know, I'm constantly on Twitter and I hear the frustration from fans when the twins make signings like Martin Perez. And you look at the back of the baseball card stats and. I was certainly guilty of this. Like, this dude's got a five ERA the last four years. Like, what is the point of giving him a three million dollar contract? Or uh, well, Michael Pineda? Like, how many nine arm surgeries enough for you? And and it's it's really easy to jump on that narrative from years past, where the Twins would go after and I'm not to throw all these dudes under the bus, but like Kevin Correa or Levon Hernandez or Jason Marquis, and and so. I think it's important to distinguish this front office versus maybe the old front office. Anibal Sanchez is actually, I know they didn't actually pull the trigger on keeping him on the roster, but these guys went out last offseason and said, all right, on paper, 33 years old, his ERA has gone from like four and a half to six and a half in the last three years. Total disaster, nothing to see here on paper, right? And they said, actually... I don't know what exactly they saw, but it was if, something with it with it, one of his his cutter or his breaking ball that they wanted him to just change up or something. He wanted him to throw more, and they were right. And the, and he the had a great year, up, you know, plucking him two, yeah. two and a half ERA for the season. And and I mean that's that's the thing is that they're they're the reasons that they're picking guys up are much more specific than your than your standard again fourteen wins in the PCL. It's it's you know even with the Martin Perez is we have this pitching coach that that is sees the video so so whoever. With the Twins front office is going to, we need to get a guy, we need a back-end starter, you know, bullpen, whatever. We're going to send video, you know, we, we've identified these five guys. Let's send the video now to, <clears throat> excuse me, Wes Johnson and, and see what they, what he thinks. Can, can you work with this? Is there something there 
you know, maybe you can find a little more. They, they even did it with Steven Gonsalves this spring. I think he was throwing harder than he mm-hmm. ever had. Yeah. And then, so Martin Perez comes out in spring training. He's throwing 95, 96 miles an hour. Huh. And it's, you know, hey, he's, he's, I think, having guys push a little work off their heel a little more, a little more stable base. Um, and, and, and they, they find certain things, certain characteristics in a pitch or in a guy that say, hey, you know what? There's more in the tank here. And, and let's work from there. So when they're getting these kind of, quote unquote scrap heap guys there's there's a there's a reason that they want them it's not it's not you know when they when they sign Martin Perez when they bring him in he's he's I mean obviously they gave him some guaranteed money but but they they brought him in he's going to do a job they know exactly where at that point they know what they're going to what from the time they got him to it, it, when the season starts they they know what they're going to be able to do to to get him to where he needs to be yeah i i think it's as a, as a fan uh, it's it's got to be a complete reset. It's not the same twins. It's not even close. I mean, these guys are doing things that that are so far beyond what even other teams in baseball. And I think I think that's that's an important point. Is that for a long time it was it was the twins fall behind and then let's catch back up to the middle ground. You know, we're we're not cutting edge, and so we're gonna we're gonna maybe get a little bit out of style, and then we're we're gonna jump back and get kind of into the middle you know, of, of, of the game and they're doing things that are at the very top. I think they're doing mm-hmm. things that, that, you know, I, I would believe maybe other teams aren't even doing. I mean, they did hire a pitching coach from college, which nobody else has done. They wanted that guy. They got that guy for a reason and they're doing things that, that other teams aren't doing or maybe very, very, very few are doing. And it's stuff that you don't see. It's not signing Craig Kimbrough. It's not signing Dallas Keuchel. It's, it's infrastructure and behind the scenes things that not only are going to make them better and have made guys better this year, but as as time goes on, yeah. I mean, you know, they're 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 looking a couple years in the in the future while also seemingly putting a pretty good team together on the field right now. And I know this is year three, I believe, but they're um, you know they're 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 on a different level than I think yeah. what we've seen here previously. Well, it's kind of cool. Just a couple of examples. Of that I heard that before Martin Perez even signed, they were like, "Hey, so we're kind of interested in bringing you in. How willing would you be to change?" <laughs> Period. <laughs> and stop. Yeah, sounds good. They basically shared with him. You know, we think we have some things in house, whether it's through a Wes Johnson and Jeremy Hefner team or R and D or you know Josh Call pitching analyst. Like, hey, we think we can help your stuff not only get better, but then use it more effectively too. Would you be interested in that? How about a one-year deal with a team option? That's the thing about the press contract. It's like they're not paying him that much this year. But if it goes as they expect it to go, it's going to be a slam dunk to pick up that next-year option. So this, it's like a two-year deal if it works out. They're making a small bet. But it's really, you mentioned Ryan Harper earlier too. And great story. Just turned 30 years old. Makes his big league debut with the Twins this week. And... He's not in Twins camp on accident. That's one of those things I think that you're talking about, Perk, that like, I think they'll look at who are the best pitchers on the market and, hey, can we can we get these guys in our camp, help them get to our 25-man roster? But then at a certain point, like, how do you know who's better than, than the other guy? Who's the PCL pitcher that you're going to go? Well, they're now ranking, like, who's got the best curveball? Like, who's the free agent with the best changeup? Who's... 
because nobody's got velo. I mean, you if you've got velo, you find a way into a camp. Now, who's that next level? How could we maybe help this play up? And I, I don't know if that extends like to the draft and all that stuff. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're just ranking pitches at a certain point and saying, you know what, this guy's got an awesome curveball. I think we could work with that. Yeah, yeah. They they for just to go deeper into the nerd well here. They for years had the lowest staff velocity of any team in baseball. And now I don't know what it's going to equate to, but now it's like everyone coming out of the bullpen is throwing 94, 95, maybe 98, 99 in some cases on a nice summer day. And uh, now is that going to lead to more Tommy John surgeries maybe because you got a bunch of dudes increasing their velocity? I don't know, but it's just kind of it's kind of fun to see the old like pitch to contact twins are yeah, RIP, I mean, I everybody's striking more guys out. I, I remember, I think it was 2013, I was leading the team in strikeouts on June 1st. <laughs> that was a one-inning you know, reliever. I, think yeah. I had thrown like 22 innings with like 38 strikeouts. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, these dudes, some of these guys have like 70 innings <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> with, <laughs> with 28 strikeouts. You know, it's it, the game is different, and that's part of it, but the, the, the velocities there on this team, the, the stuff, you just see the stuff, I, I think, and and... You know that's it's up around baseball, but um, I just I love seeing you know things like a Ryan Harper. When you see that, I'm like, who is this guy? And like, I wish I had that pitch. I yeah. mean, that thing is so nasty. Like, and and again, they went and found that guy. Like, they look at the data and they're like, hey, we, this is a guy I think that we can make work. Mm-hmm. And you know, they they bring him in, and I would assume that you know he's was he on a minor league deal, and and yeah, and invite to spring training. They probably knew. The day they signed him, if this goes right, he's on our team. Sure. You know, yeah. and if we can get him to where we think we can get him, he's on a team. And, and especially that, if some guys get hurt. Now you yeah. got that depth. And that and that to me is 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 the genius of it that that they're seeing stuff maybe that other other people aren't. And that's where just let's look at this team through a different set of lenses. Yeah. With with this with the new with the they're not even new anymore. I mean, this is year three with the, with this regime. I mean, they're they're doing things differently. And uh you know, hopefully, the, the way this whole segment started was playoff baseball at Target Field. Yeah, and and you know that's that's the goal. And and again, I, I'm I'm a believer in them. Yeah, that's uh, that's Glenn Perkins. I'm Phil Mackey. Let's take a quick break. Wetmore is in here with us. It's the Score North Twin Show. Glenn Perkins on baseball. You know all the positions. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. ScoreNorth.com. Welcome back to the Score North Twins Show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball. Sitting here with Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore. Uh, this copyrighted show is presented by authority of the Office of Score North. It may not be reproduced or retransmitted in any form, and the accounts and descriptions of this show may not be disseminated without the express written consent of Score North. That was good. Uh, nice. Yeah, that was, done. That was wow. good. That's good practice. Good right practice. There. Yeah, it's good practice. Uh, you're going to be a TV guy here in in a few weeks. Yeah, I got some time to work on my uh, kind of smooth off my rough edges and. Uh, Maybe get a haircut and trim the beard. I I, I like this I like this radio thing because then you can come in looking like uh, like like a bum off the street. Yeah. You really can brown paper bag it in these radio. Studios. I know I got I gotta like get a suit that fits and I gotta get a haircut and how often do you wear suits? Never you, anymore. Did you wear well, them when you were traveling for road trips? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, it was more just like the show element of it, like. Let's put on a suit and go. I mean, even even toward the end when you could wear jeans, I guess sometimes I did wear jeans and that. But yeah, it was. Yeah, you get dressed up and. Hey, let me ask you. Like, what's the point? So when you travel for a road trip, 
You're just going from the the clubhouse to a chartered flight. Yeah. So like no one really sees you. I think maybe you walk maybe into a hotel. for the autograph people yeah, at the okay. hotel. <laughs> that's, I guess. That, that's pretty I don't know. much it, right? Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a weird it's a weird concept. Um, you know, and I, I, yeah, it shouldn't really matter, but it's just one of those things. I mean, I think you know a lot of baseball for sure was this is how we've always done it. I think we need. I think that's one of the cooler things, though. I th- I'm, I was okay with that. Yeah. Well, we need. So the NBA does a really good job of let's at least show these dudes, like Russell Westbrook in his weird outfits coming in from yeah. the Flair parking lot. I think baseball needs that. I want. I want to see what. Go at, hide what, out in the hallway and start videoing guys. Some of those creepy. guys. Some of those guys <laughs> will dress up to come to the to come to work. But that I want to see Bryce Harper in like a like a Superman jumpsuit or something. Like what? Like what? Russell Westbrook is the most outlandish in the NBA. He'll wear like fishnet weird. Outlandish. He's got the best style of any of them. It's questionable style, but it's. <laughs> It's he, he he yeah he's he's either very very questionable or looks very sharp. Yeah, yeah. I think there's uh, he he's definitely on the on the edges of kind of what uh, maybe what I would do. Well, is there a, <laughs> is there like is there a design career in your future? Like, are you going to be tailoring these no, suits or uh, no? Stick with the beer, I guess. Yeah, I uh, no, I will. Uh, I got some suits, so I'll I'll have to strap one of that one. I'm hoping, like like when the guys do the TV games, like you see the camera in the booth, um, you know, or even even like y- yesterday, I watched Tim Laudner in that post game show, and I was thinking, I wonder if he has pants on. <laughs> um, but those guys in the booth, <laughs> those guys in the booth. I mean, you can wear jeans and a t shirt. Like the the pregame picture of of. Uh, Boog and and uh, D- David Ross and Tim Kirkton last night. Ross had a hooded sweatshirt on, you know, and then and then the game starts. And he's got a suit on, so you can you can just go from the waist up. Yeah. So um, are you are you going to be like like take guy? Are you going to be entertainer guy? What's what's your what's your TV you know, strategy? When I, when I when I talked with uh, Tony over there at Fox Sports, um, he was he was very interested in my analytic I- inclinations. I think that's something maybe that they want to get a little more into, um, you know, whether that's in game or or post game or whatever, even pregame and, and doing that stuff. Um, kind of breaking it, you know. And, and I envision myself. Obviously, I'm a stats, you know, numbers dork, and so it's going to be a lot more of that. I, I I like, you know, I like like what Corey does on the radio, um, trying to introduce fans to different metrics. I know he loves like a he loves a, a, like a, a maybe a way to runs created. Um, you know, so tr- trying to introduce fans and, and viewers to some of the stuff that, like, especially our team now, like, that's what they're doing. Um, let's get them on board. And, you know, so, so I think some of that, I mean, obviously I have a sense of humor and I'm sure I'm going to have some screw ups and say some funny things. And, you know, but it's uh, I'm just I'm more excited for the opportunity just to, to kind of get back in and, and have an excuse to watch games and, and follow along at a little bit more higher level now. Who okay? Who does of of all the local and national baseball broadcasts that you've watched, or like maybe current or recently retired? Who who does a great job in terms of former players in a booth or pre and post game? David, like? I mean David Ross last night. You know, I, I hadn't watched him hardly ever, and and I was uh, I was I was impressed. I mean, he you know, anecdotal, uh, funny. You know, I think still recent enough to the game that, you know, and, and they put him on last night, obviously. So John Lester's pitching 
and that was you oh, know he kind of followed yeah. John Lester around for four or five years or whatever and and uh, you know so he had some good insight about their relationship and about what he'd be thinking about out on the mound or when a catcher did a visit or anything like that. Um, he he was good last night and the way he broke it down. I mean I think that's that's some someone that you know I think former players can watch and be like hey this this guy's doing it the right way. What do you like, Derek? I've really liked what Roy Smalley's added to the broadcast. I think he has, he's a little farther removed from the game, but he played the game and he doesn't wave it in your face like, oh, you guys couldn't possibly get this, but when I'll try I to explain game, it. Yeah, I, he doesn't do that. Yeah. He doesn't do that. But Justin Morneau's also been great. Um, I like some of Tori's broadcasts in Latroy because they are so recent to playing the game that they'll tell you, oh, this is exactly what's going on in this conversation right now, or this is yeah. why so-and-so is even on the team. We talked about the Ryan Harper deal earlier. This is what they liked about him. And they're not just guessing. I, I kind of like that. That's sort of that insidery feel without being, uh, how do you put it? Like, I'm at a level that you could never get to. Because yeah. they are. They're well, all at a level that we couldn't get to. But they peel back the curtain and let you in on that level. I think Justin is like, Two notches of of a little more energy away from being one of the best local guys that has come on in the last couple of years, and I think some of it's just like getting experience. And I, I said this to you guys before the show started. It doesn't matter to much as much to me if you're right all the time on a broadcast. I mean, there's all there's all kinds of color commentators, and and you watch especially some of these big paneled national shows, the March Madness shows, and everyone's got a suit and a pen, and I need to hold a pen and have a suit and be right and break the game down. Like, have fun. Sure, That's what, there's yeah. a reason why, the, 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 and I know that we're talking, there's two separate things. There's pre and post, and then there's what happens in a game, and I get they're sort of different elements. But there's a reason why Inside the NBA on TNT is by far the best pre and post game show in professional sports. And it's not because Shaq and Barkley are right all the time. It's because there's chemistry and rapport, and it's fun. And well, they're, And they're bringing some of that locker room onto the set. You know, some yes. of that, that, that banter and, and, you know, the 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 kind of jabbing at each other and and just yeah keeping it loose i mean and that's even you know you watch last night david ross and 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 siambi were needling each other kind of throughout the game making jokes about you know ross couldn't hit and you know you'd have tim church and you know you never you never played another position and why is that and you know so then boogie well did you ever see his you know batting line like kind of that stuff like that where you yeah you have fun um you know and and i think with morneau the, the 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 thing about him is he was he was such a quiet guy when he played. Yeah. You know, he was a quiet leader. Uh definitely by example guy. Um you know, and so it was it was it was kind of took me back when he when he wanted to do that. And when he started doing that, I was like, man, that just doesn't seem to fit it. But he is really good. And last year when I did the the game on Facebook, um I watched a couple of the Twins games before and it happened to be a Morneau series. And I had texted him and said, "Man, I you know, you're you've you're pretty good." You're, yeah. you're, you're uh, you got something here, and and uh, you know, watching these these first few games this year is the, is the same, um, you know. And he's he was such a smart like, you know, he he had the like the like dumb Canadian thing going, like kind of the big goofy Canadian thing going. But he was such a smart player, and and you know, he, he knows the game so well that it it stands out when he yeah. when he talks and like you know, like you said, Derek with being able to say, hey, this is what's going on here. This is this is what I'd be thinking in this plate appearance. Um, oh my gosh, he's so good at that. Yeah. That's you know, the part, like another level. He was so, he he analyzed his at-bats so hard. Uh, 
you know, and so mm-hmm. you could see that come out in in his in the broadcast now. Um, yeah, he's he, I, I like I like him, uh, and I think Roy. Yeah, he's another one that um, just good like solid insight. Sure, um, baseball knowledge. Yeah, do you try to do that with your outings, Glenn? Would you go back and look like every single pitch or like at bat by at bat, or did you have certain guys you wanted to study? I only looked. So the things that I would do, I would uh, if I. If I threw a pitch like that, I thought was good, and and it either was a, for a hit or a home run or you know a walk or something, I would go back and look at that. I okay. never looked at like the good stuff because it didn't, you you know you, you try to keep an even keel, yeah, and so yeah. you don't want. I don't need to sit there and watch myself strike guys out or whatever. Um, just, just, so just I'd put watch. on a bathrobe and, then and turn if, some smooth jazz on and watch you strike <laughs> out the side. If the, if it, you know later on in my career, if there was a guy that I didn't know, okay, then sure. I would get a little breakdown from him. So I'd go sit there with Sean and and we'd watch you know, whatever hitter that I didn't know. Um, you know, I, I called it, I called it getting Gaddis cause I, I came in to face Evan Gaddis in, in Atlanta knew nothing about him. And I threw him a slider down and then he golfed it out. Oh, and like, then we okay. go look at like his heat chart and it was like the only pitch that he was like, That's able to hit that. yeah, <laughs> like I could have thrown that dude anything else and he would have struck out and oh. I threw him like the one pitch that he I, could like get his bat to. I love his no batting glove, like sawdust coming off yeah. the handle of the bat. <laughs> And so I, you know, so I'd go to Sean then before a series and be like, "Hey, man, I don't want to get Gaddis. Is there anybody I need to worry about?" <laughs> You're the video guy, yeah, with the twins. And uh, and so you know that that was kind of it for that. But you know, I mean, obviously, I, you know, you're around the game long enough, you can break down a a, a net bat mm-hmm. or a pitcher, and you know that's why I, I think I didn't I didn't really use like scouting reports per se. I would um, if I knew how to get a guy or if I had faced a guy, then I, I knew what I couldn't do. And I, I never went into an at-bat with, like, a plan. I would throw a pitch and then re- react based off what happened. Did the guy take it? Did he, you know, pull a fastball foul? Did he, was he late on it? Did he fall straight back? You know, so it's it was all those things, like, that that would determine my next pitch. It was never, like, I'm going to do this and this and then this. Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, the, you, might, you might throw a first-pitch fastball to a guy and he, saws himself off and I mean you so you're oh, I'm gonna this is how I'm gonna strike motor this is how I'm gonna yeah. set him up like you don't know what's gonna happen. Sure. Um you know so it's kind of just how that you know I so I know scouting reports things stuff like that video. Okay. Um you know wasn't wasn't my thing. I I kind of just went out there on feel and um you know to each their own. Right. Well and I asked because on the Facebook broadcast that you did last year was that with um Scott? Did you do that with Braun, yeah, yep. It, it was with him, and it was. it was with him and Jody Garrett. Was okay, the first one, and then the Jody second, Garrett, is Jody a Garrett, blast yeah. from the past Indians go. name, yeah. and then the second one was uh, Scott again, and then Johnny Mack. Okay, yep. yeah, and so I just remember from that, just sort of vaguely, like you being able to get inside the pitcher's head, whether you knew him or not. Like you were great with the twin stuff because you knew these guys. Whether you knew him or not, you could be like, oh yeah, he. You see him flinch at that breaking ball. He's probably going to come back for that when he needs a strikeout or whatever. Yep. That just to be able to do that yeah. from a pitcher's perspective, I thought was yep. amazing. Yeah, and my general rule of thumb, like as a pitcher, was if I was able to throw like a first pitch slider for a strike, I got you. It's like if, if you get to two strikes, you're going to get a slider and a dirt, and you're already going to see it. You're already going to know a because you like you'd ask a Mornor, you'd ask a Maurer, you'd ask a Jim Tomey, like. You know, like like with Joe, you go back to like when he'd face Errolis Chapman. He's like, "Well, I just eliminated the slider. You know, he couldn't throw it for a strike." I'm like, "Yeah, but he's throwing 150." He's like, "Yeah, but he goes, you can you can time up a fastball." He goes, "As long as you don't have to worry about another pitch." He goes, "If I if he would have thrown one for a strike early in the count, 
I, I probably wouldn't have done too well. But actually, okay. there was that game about Uh-oh. six years ago in Cincinnati. Yeah, that's against the, the bat I'm talking about. And then he, Will, he, he hit a double Willingham. than Willingham at Homer. That's right. Mauer hit a double on like a nine pitch at yep. bat or something. And, and then he, he took all the sliders. Pitch. He, he yeah. took. All, that's when I asked him. I said, "How the heck do you do that? Because that guy's throwing so dang hard." He said, "You don't have. You can just eliminate it." You know, and so he would always tell me like, "Throw if you can like throw a get me over that." He loved calling a get me over. Like he would give me like the slider and then sweep his hand out to the right. Meant kind of like backdoor lazy slider, and I would throw that first pitch, and then I could throw like a fastball up and in, and the guy had followed off. And then you throw a slider and dirt, and dudes out because mm. you just can't, you know, you, you can't keep both of those. He's like, you, you know, if you're throwing 96, 97 miles an hour, you can't. Keep track of of all of that Dude, stuff. We need we just need to do a full. I want I want a full episode on pitcher catcher like communication dynamics that chess yes. match. And I don't care if like only four people want to listen to that. I'm so fascinated by that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's a wrap. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball, and we will see you next week. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.